WMCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. What is the nature of ghosts? Do your loved ones become all-knowing super beings as soon as they die? Can they cause and work synchronicity? Hello there, and welcome to the 368th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So we do welcome uh, callers this evening, and the number is 248-545-7685. Again, that's 248 248- Five four five seven six eight five. Or if you're listening on a computer, use that handy dandy little instant feedback gizmo on your screen. Now to our guest. With us once again today is one of our most popular guests and our dear friend Murray Silver. Now we're gonna try this again. All sorts of technological adventures usually occur when Murray is with us, but we seem to be in order today. Now of course here in New England where we're broadcasting from, uh we have a bunch of giant thunderstorms about to descend, descend on us, so let's hope for the best. In perfect timing. Yeah, exactly. So Murray's family has been in Savannah, Georgia for five generations. He is not only a Washington insider and a Hollywood insider, he's one of America's most respected paranormal investigators. A host of the PBS television series Haunted South, Murray is the acclaimed author of the great book, I should say great book, Great Balls of Fire, the uncensored story of Jerry Lee Lewis, which was made into the movie of that name starring Dennis Quaid and Winona Ryder. He is the author of a number of other books, including his memoirs, When Elvis Meets the Dalai Lama, he used to work for the Dalai Lama, and Behind the Moss Curtain, a collection of genuine paranormal stories about Savannah. In days of yore, Murray worked as a promoter for rock bands like Fleetwood Mac, Grateful Dead, the Allman Brothers, and others. While going to law school, he transitioned from promoter to journalist in the 70s and 80s, touring with acts such as Pink Floyd, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Elton John, and Peter Gabriel top of all that, Murray is also a publisher and a television producer with his own media company. He also became a paranormal investigator and historian of great insight and depth, and his website is www.bonaventure.com. That's Bonaventure with two T's dot com. So, Murray Silver, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Ben, how nice to hear your voice and you too, Paul. Well, I'm just glad to hear your voice at all. <laughs> Some of the adventures we've had. Yeah, as opposed to last time. You sound really good. You sound great. Something came through my computer a couple of weeks ago that fried everything. I had to take it into the Tweaks by Geeks. They said they'd never seen anything like it. They had it for two weeks. They couldn't figure out what had happened to the computer. But, you know, there's there's an old phenomenon in the recording industry called Ghost in the Machine. Deus Ex Machina. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, apparently we have several. Okay. So, Murray, let's uh, continue with our conversation because we never see, we always seem to go off topic. So we're going to talk about your experiences since we've, after a few months, we've been trying to get to this topic, but we never did. So you tend to take a more uh, spirit-oriented approach uh, than we do, but we respect that. And for our previous conversations uh, with Murray, check out our show uh, number 354 from June 7th on our podcast page at BehindTheParanormal.com. So why don't you... Uh, Talk about your own experiences for a bit, Murray. Well, Ben, um, I am speaking to you from the house I inherited from my great-grandmother. I am in historic Savannah, Georgia, which has been deemed to be 
the most haunted city in America. And I've been trying to get to the bottom of that um, since I returned here in 1998. But most recently, I had a very interesting conversation with my grandfather uh, in which he explained to me that spirit or consciousness, if you will, is a force equal to the four great forces of nature. Uh, but unlike the, the true forces of nature, consciousness is cognizant. It is self-aware. In other words, gravity does not know that it's gravitational, and magnets do not know that they are magnetic. But consciousness, however, knows that it exists, and it has the ability to shift its shape. And how we encounter it depends on our particular take on time and space. Now, the fact that my grandfather has been dead since 1963 bears some... Um, import in this conversation. So um, it, it was fascinating what spirit is able to show me through the appearance of my grandfather. I don't really think it is my grandfather I'm encountering. I think this is a, a face that consciousness adapts so that I can relate to it. And hmm. therefore, in contemplating this conversation tonight, I was going through my case files and um, and realized that they're broken into um, categories. For example, um, there is the, the condition here in my home where I am often visited by my ancestors and not yours. I think that says something about spirit, the fact that I frequently run into my grandfather, but I'm not running into yours on a daily basis. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm always, you know, we're always with our ancestors here and... Uh... And I stress that they're not with us. Well, well, they are, but we're with them, especially my mother, who we talked about this before. And not to interrupt you, but you're saying exactly what we understand. Um, I have a better relationship with her than ever, mm-hmm. but it's usually where, where she is, and and it's really it's really quite quite wonderful. You think so? Please go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, there's different types of of, um, of hauntings. There is the hauntings where spirit appears to you because it has some sort of unfinished business that it needs your help with. Then there are the classic haunted houses where spirit seems to be stuck in time and place. And then you have the occurrences that typically happen in cemeteries, which is the city of the dead. Then you have the, you know, I've got entire case studies on, on, on a number of bars and nightclubs, as well as jails, all of which seem to be haunted for the same reasons. And then there are the cases where um, spirit materializes in some form in order to tell you something that is unknown to you and that you would not know any other way. But if you didn't know it, it could be catastrophic. This has happened to me a couple of times in life where spirit of uh, someone departed that I knew has appeared to me to warn me of some impending doom. Um, and lastly, though, I am reminded of your own work in Connecticut and Barahack. Um, which seems to be a, a classic case of the multiverse. So there are a number of different cases that I can tell you about, and they all illustrate a different aspect of spirit, and I'm happy to entertain any of them, whichever you think your your uh, listeners would be most interested in hearing about. Okay. Before we do that, I, I didn't, did I ever tell you that I found out in the past few years, and this, this Barahat case was, was you know 40 years ago. Right that I found out that I am rather closely related to the people who lived in that village? 
So, well, well there, there you have it. This, this idea that that uh, spirit reincarnates within uh, its same family circles, life generation after generation, is one of the things that connects us to spirit. And so it, that doesn't surprise me to hear that, Paul. It doesn't well, I, as a matter of fact, I wanted to go back, and if I, you know, I, I, I you know, it's funny. I always felt that I knew some of those people. We heard those children laughing at by that brook. Couldn't see them, of course. You, you're familiar with the story, you know, right? Up and down the brook, and all. I knew the names of some of those children. I didn't dare say it because I was standing in the middle of a bunch of seminary students, and if the right. word had gotten back to the faculty, I would have been. I wasn't in the thin ice as it was. So um, anyway, I, I, I know I, I might put it in different terms, but I know exactly what you're saying. But you know, one of the things here, because Ben had a question here on the uh, old uh, historic cemetery where your a lot of your ancestors, your ancestors are yeah. are buried, and uh, some of the experiences you've had there. The, the, if, if if you would share that, because you told me about that privately. Well, um, my family has for several generations been buried in the. Famous historic cemetery here called Bonaventure, uh, after which I named my publishing company. And in fact, right now they are doing uh, tours of the cemetery, and my grandfather um, is featured on this tour. My grandfather, in his day, was a bootlegger and a bookie, and he owned uh, one of the most popular uh, nightclubs in Savannah for more than 40 years. And so he's a very colorful character who I write about in my book, uh, Behind the Moss Curtain. And uh, he is the entity that I'm often in contact with. And so um, it is. what is amazing to me, however, is the great number of tourists who visit that cemetery and report back to me or to other people of their experiences, which are quite uncommon. And the last time we spoke, I was telling you the one about the two school teachers from New Jersey mm, yeah. who had called and talked to you about their experiences because – Spirit materialized in front of them uh, and, and appeared in the form of a man who claimed to be a reverend and had warned them that his daughter had been murdered and um, could not was unable to cross over because her husband, who had committed suicide, was preventing it. And these, these kinds of events are happening to people on a regular basis out at Bonaventure Cemetery. And so I, I go out there because I am the caretaker of the family plot. And I've had a number of remarkable occurrences that happened to me, and uh, I guess it's because I go out there all the time that I'm more sensitive to it. But um, the the source of one of my best uh, read stories happened one day when I was out at Bonaventure when Spirit came home with me. Spirit came home with me from the cemetery because these uh, spirits could not rest in peace until their story was told. They were all part of a murder that had taken place in Savannah in 1945. And this was not only the worst crime in Savannah's history, but the greatest injustice, in that the murderer, who was put in the electric chair, should have gone to an asylum. And so what was interesting, though, is that the whole cast of characters came home with me on a stormy afternoon and manifested in my house in a way in which I could not understand them and in that frustration, they started to break up my house poltergeist style. And by that, I mean huge cracks appeared in the walls where cracks are not supposed to appear. And the paint was was uh, coming off the ceiling in sheets. This at a house I had just spent $40,000 to oh. rent. And so all of a sudden, the house is coming apart. 
And um, I called my dear friend Shirley, who has been working as a psychic for many, many years, and she's she's in Atlanta. And before I could tell her my problem, she told me, she said, Murray, you've brought home um, a murderer, his victim, <laughs> their families, a cop, a judge, um, an executioner. She said, you've got a whole cast of characters who come home with you from Bonaventure. And, and I said to her, so, well, I never knew any of these people. What do they want with me? And she said, well, you're a writer. They want you to tell their story. Because, she said, they could not rest in peace until their story was told. And I told Shirley, I said, well, my problem is I don't have your gift and ability. I can't understand what they're trying to say to me. She said, well... Oh, Murray, I'm sorry. I'm so, uh, we have a break here. I'm so absorbed in your story. I forgot about it. Uh, we will be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio and NewSkyRadio.com with Marie Silver. Stay with us. Tempest... Thursday is a power-packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron-Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron-Reed Show. The Colette Baron-Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo-woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron-Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And we're back with our dear friend and our great guest, Murray Silver from Savannah, Georgia, who is talking about some of his own amazing cases. Now, Murray, uh, before we get into our next question, why don't you finish discussing the... Uh, your, your house guests. Yeah, so I had this cast of characters that had been involved in a murder from 40 years ago that wouldn't leave me alone until I told their story, and I did not know how to retrieve it. And so um, acting on the advice of this psychic friend of mine, I simply sat down and started writing the story. And um, I remember that I, was, I, uh, I wrote 100 pages in a single sitting. And at the end of it, I had to read it because I did not know what I had written. It was around 4 o'clock in the morning, and I, I stopped to read this mountain of material and, and realized that it had more or less come through me like a channel. And uh, I delivered it to my editor, and my editor um, at the newspaper said, well, you know, we can't publish a 100-page story on a 50-year-old murder. And I said, yeah, I know, but um, you'll want to read this one. And um, they decided to publish it in installments, and it set this town on fire. Um, the interesting thing that happened, however, that as each installment came out, I started getting very strange telephone calls from people that had more things to tell me. For example, one woman said to me that she had a photograph of the murderer that she wanted me to have. And it was then that I realized that I had no photograph of the murderer because all traces of his family have now disappeared from this part of the world. And there's no place that would have such a thing. And the only photos of him were in the old newspaper tombs, which aren't there anymore. So I didn't have any photographs of him for my story. And yet this woman said, well, come and I've got one for you. So I went over to her house and I said, lady, what are you doing with the photograph of Jesse the Butcher? And she said, well, you wrote about him in your story. You wrote about my mother. My mother was a neighbor of his, and she was one of the witnesses in the murder trial. And she was the only person to appear uh, on his behalf uh, for the defense because she was trying to impress the, the jury with the fact that Jesse was not a murderous monster, but that he was not right in the head, as they say down south back then. And she was unsuccessful. And the day before they put him in the electric chair, Jesse had the jailer take an 8 by 10 black and white photograph of him that he enclosed in a letter to thank this woman for all she had tried to do for him. And I said to this woman's daughter, now some 50 years later, I said, lady, what are you doing with this photograph? She said, well, when my mother died, this was among her most personal effects, and I saved it because she did. And I said, well, this is really remarkable. She said, oh, you don't know the half of it. She said, a few months ago, my house burned down, and I lost everything. And she said, and in sifting through the ashes, this photograph was the only thing that I found, and it was spotless, untouched, unsinged. She said, and I picked it up and kept it because I thought it must have survived for a reason. 
And so I published that photograph in my book because, as they say, every picture is worth a thousand words and this one is worth a million. Because here you have a photograph taken of this murderer the day before they're going to put him in the electric chair. And he does not look like a man on the gallows. He looks like a bridegroom on his wedding day. His hair is slicked back. He's got a big smile. And yet... Although he's looking straight in the camera, his eyes are radically shifted to the right, and he looks like he's either demonic or insane. But as they say, every picture um, is worth a thousand words, and this one certainly is. And so I started getting other telephone calls with things and, and facts and stories and anecdotes that people wanted me to know. And um, it was amazing to me what Spirit was doing in order to get this story told. Each installment that was published in the newspaper, I would take it out to Bonaventure Cemetery and I laid it on the graves of the people involved and told them, I have done what you have asked me to do, and the spirit energy in my house abated. And so, oddly enough, about a year later, a wave of it came through my house again and, and like a three-ring circus and I did not understand what they might want this time. And then I looked at the calendar and realized that it was the anniversary of the date of the murderer's execution. And he had just come through to say, hello, I was in the neighborhood and wanted to say hi. So it is this event that happened that um, was, was yet just one of a number of stories that have happened out at Bonaventure Cemetery. And Bonaventure Cemetery, fellas, has become so uh, notorious now that they've had to put a fence up around it and they have an armed guard on the premises at night to keep people out of the place because um, it, it is there are remarkable things happening on a daily basis at Bonaventure where spirit manifests and looks as real as you or me and, and tourists who are not even known to be particularly interested in the subject as we are are encountering spirit and they're getting messages and they're having and it's it's truly remarkable what goes on in bonaventure okay l l let me ask you one or two questions here before ben gets to his next question it's absolutely fascinating and naturally in you know 40 years of this i've run into th these sorts of things and but you know me i'm always asking the canted questions and looking at it from the funny angles how does all this work how do these people know everything that they know and, and naturally you know, because the, the question you know it pops into my mind well they're in touch with other parts of the multiverse they're in worlds where they they know things and can 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 communicate and everything else you know i have no problem with that but there have been many cases in which i found that these were not what they said they were and and it, it, everything went haywire now i you i trust you more than anybody else out there and i'm i, I mean that other than the guy sitting next to me here and so I um, believe everything that you've said, and, and I think that you, with your uh, wisdom and interpretation, that it is just as you say. But, but, but how, in your opinion, did they know who you were, that you could write a, a story in the paper, that the story could be told, and uh, you could finish their business? How, how, do you have any idea on yeah. that, or is it just beyond our understanding? Well, that is the P.S. to the story, and usually the most delicious parts are at the beginning, but I saved them for the end. Ah. The, the story only came to me because there was a book that had been written that made reference to it but did not go into detail. And my editor at the paper assigned me with the task of finding out more about the infamous butcher murder of 1945. And so one day um, I went out to the cemetery 
I wanted to find the grave site of the victim because I thought that I might get some sort of an impulse, as I often do out at Bonaventure. you got to remember now, my family's been buried there for 100 years. And I went out to Bonaventure because I thought, well, wouldn't it really be weird if the victim or the murderer was buried in our neighborhood? So I went out to the cemetery, and I'm looking around, and I find the site of the, the grave site of the victim. His name was Luther, and I find Luther's grave site. And it was then that I realized that he is buried right next to his murderer, Jesse, in his family plot. And I'm thinking to myself, there cannot possibly be any peace in a cemetery where a murderer is buried next to his victim. And as I'm having that thought, a storm blew up from out of nowhere that looked like the special effects in a Steven Spielberg movie. And it started to rain so hard. (laughs) that I couldn't see to drive out of the cemetery without rolling over tombstones. And so I had to sit there until the storm abated. And when the storm was over, I drove home. It was then that I realized I had brought people home from the cemetery with me. That's how I picked up these hitchhikers. That's interesting because you got a lot of electrical energy going on there. Correct. Ghost always shows up on the stormy night, not because it's scary, but because of the electrically charged atmosphere. Very true. In any event, I brought them home with me because I'm standing there and I had this realization and um, I don't think it was unknown to them who I am. I think actually spirit has greater knowledge of what we're about than we have of it. And um, they came home with me because they wanted to tell me the rest of the story. Now, I'm not so sure, Paul, because of the way this information came to me. I'm not so sure that I wasn't alive in 1945 and part of that scene. My birthday year is 1953, and I am not so certain that I didn't have a part to play in that uh, in the actual events because it came to me. It almost felt like memory kicking in, but it was a memory before this lifetime. See, bingo, that, that, that's exactly where we might come in and say, aha, that, 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 that you know, resonates with what, the approach we would take. Now, but have you noticed that... Hold on one second, Paul. There's something I want to say to you because it's important sure. to your listeners. Here's, here's, the, here's the caveat and here's the warning. In, in dealing with the story, something passed through me that um, bypassed all the filters and it changed me psychologically and not in a good way. And all I can tell you is um, that process left me a very different person. There was a huge price to be paid in picking up these uh, psychic uh, hitchhikers, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, In going through that stuff, it changed me. And it changed me in ways that I will not detail here. But all I say to you is this. If you are not grounded, and this is what I tell people who call themselves ghost hunters. If you are not grounded, things can happen to you that you have no defense for. And you have no way to protect yourself from and no way to purge yourself of it once uh, it it takes root in you. And I can tell you, Paul, I have done battle on a level which I will share with you privately, but not on the air here. But I'm going to tell you something. It, it, It gave me a tremendous amount of insight into what happens to people who play with this stuff and have no idea what they're dealing with. Absolutely well put. I'm afraid we have to take another break, but we'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com with our guest, Murray Silver. Stay with us. Take CBS Radio The Sky with you wherever you go. 
Be sure to download the Radio.com app today from your mobile marketplace. And when you really want to know more, 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 be sure to visit NewSkyRadio.com. Get in deep with exclusive articles and Sky News. Get your weekly horoscope and the inside scoop on host events. Radio.com and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay connected. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. So welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And we are having a very wonderful, definitely interesting conversation with Murray Silva. Uh, Murray, you were mentioning something over the break about um, the men- mentally ill people in Savannah. Yeah, we got a lot of them. Uh, this is a town that is filled with churches and bars, 
and uh, mental institutions. This is only a, this is a town of maybe 130,000 people. Most of us are walking around crazy. Um, but th- the fascinating thing is this: right now in Savannah, Georgia, the toughest thing to do is not to get a reservation at Paula Dean's Lady and Sons restaurant. The toughest thing to do is to get an appointment with a psychiatrist or a psychologist. They're all booked up because there's a lot of people walking around in Savannah that think they're going crazy, and a lot of it has to do with spirit and what they're encountering and how it breaks in on their daily existence. Now, there's one case that I have that is very near and dear to my heart that has also showed me another aspect of spirit that um, I find compelling. I have a cousin, 17 years old. I've known, I was in the hospital the moment she was born, saw her come into this world. She has Down syndrome. And she is going to be in the care of her parents her entire life. And two years ago, right before her birthday, her sweet 16 party, her boyfriend, who was 16, Drop dead. This poor boy came into this world with a long list of defects, chief among them heart. He was a transplant patient, 16 years old, drops dead the week before her sweet 16th birthday party for which they had a date. And Mackenzie went to the party and she told us all that um, her boyfriend was going to be there with her. And... Um, The bizarre thing was at the end of the night when the party was over and everybody else was gone, the music was still playing, Mackenzie walks out onto the dance floor seemingly by herself and danced with a partner nobody else could see or hear. And every day since then, she has an ongoing conversation with the spirit of this boy who promised her that he would always be with her and never leave her. Now, McKinsey's doctors think that this child is regressing and that the illness is becoming worse and has told her parents that they're afraid she's going to have to be institutionalized. I have quite a different take on it. I believe that she encounters spirit as easily as you and I are talking to each other now. And I brought my dear friend Shirley down here to verify it. And it is truly remarkable how this child, who some people say is mentally ill or deficient or retarded or any other term you want to use, she is in touch with spirit. Now, let me tell you how we proved it, boys, because this will make you pee your pants. Her granddaddy, my Uncle Julian, was in his lifetime a bookie and a better and a gambler par excellence. At his height... He once tried to fix the Super Bowl in Miami, and he was busted by the feds. He was one of the Super Bowl seven that tried to fix the Dallas-Pittsburgh game, and he went to prison for it. But he's dead now, and uh, he's been gone a couple of years. And yet, McKinsey also sees and talks to Pop-Pop pretty much on a daily basis. And uh, it began to trouble my cousins greatly that this was going on, that their daughter seemed to be more connected to the other world than this one. So naturally, we wanted Mackenzie to prove she was in touch with spirit. So this is what we did. We sat down at the end of last year and had her pick the winner of every college bowl football game. And there were 50 of them. And 
we simply ask her, okay, is it going to be Notre Dame, Louisiana, Georgia, Georgia? We went down the list, and she told us who the winner was going to be. 47 out of 50 were correct. The three she missed were overtime. And this is mathematically impossible. The best in Vegas can do that, fellas. She got the answers from her granddad, the gambler who's been dead for three years. My goodness. I swear to you by all that I hold sacred, that story is true. So now, so now we go back to the doctor and say, look, um, you're going to have to take a fresh look at what it is to be uh, a, uh, afflicted with Down syndrome. Uh, as they say, the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. And he has endowed this child with the ability to see and speak to spirit as easily as I see and speak to you. Now, I find this compelling stuff because God knows how many poor souls have felt like they were losing their mind because they saw and heard something that no one else sees and hears. And typically, you end up in a doctor's office and they will treat you as a mental patient or give you drugs or whatever and try to convince you that this is all your imagination. And how many thousands of people must this have happened to through the years and it's happening to right now people who literally go insane because people tell them that they are and that the experiences that they have are not valid you know you're so right uh, as as you know 40 and 40, well 35 and 40 years ago when i was a seminary student i was working in psychiatric hospitals and i could not describe better than you have what i've seen it included people with down syndrome uh, who had brilliant contacts with other worlds. So there were people who were diagnosed as schizophrenic, and this sort of thing, particularly schizophrenia, and other forms of psychosis, who were, were at times living in beautiful worlds and at times in horrible ones. But th their, their doors and their minds were opened, or their, their minds had been retuned without any sort of hallucinogens, really. Well, centuries ago, they would have been like the holy men. Exactly. Holy, yeah, they would. Yeah, that's right. Holy, that's right, Ben. Like they would have been, yeah. you know, in, in the the world of our remote ancestors, they would have been considered holy. Well, there there came a time in my own experience when I began to fear for my own sanity, and I did. I, I admit this for the first time anywhere publicly. I went to a psychiatrist in Atlanta. I made an appointment and I sat down and I talked to the man at the initial consultation for more than an hour. And at the end of it, he um, took off his glasses, rubbed his eyes, and closed the book. And he said to me, Mr., I, I, I can't help you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I, I can't help you with, with this stuff. He said, the only thing I can suggest to you is that we put you in the hospital and get you medicated and try to deal with these things. That was his solution. Not to talk it through or examine it, his first response was, Let's get you medicated and see if we can't deal with these things. At that point, gentlemen, I said to him, listen, listen, I'm more afraid of the medications than the things I'm encountering. Rightly so. I said, yeah. because I am afraid of losing control. And he said, well, that's the only thing I have to offer you. And if you don't want to take it, uh, you're free to go. And I never went back. And so I know that this is the way... I'm sure not all psychiatrists are that way, but that's the way I was treated when I tried to get so-called professional help, when I thought I couldn't bear up under this stuff anymore. It had become so invasive, so intrusive. It had, it was breaking through in, in my daily existence and where I, I, I was 
I couldn't decide if the life I was living day to day was reality or if the other world I was glimpsing was reality because I couldn't figure out which one to live in. And the impulses that I was getting from the other side were stronger than the ones I was having in my own direct experience. And that yeah. is what unsettling. And yet that was the response of a, of a board certified psychiatrist. He said, well, uh, we need to get you medicated and, and, and you need to be under, under, under care constantly so that we can do that and make sure that it's done properly and that you take the right amount of medicines and so forth. And at that point I bolted and I, and I am so afraid for all of the people who fell into that trap. I wish I could wave a magic wand and save them all. Yeah, so do I. Well, you made the right decision. Ben, funny, Ben and I were talking about this just yesterday, the DNA factor. Oh, yeah. Our science is particularly, and, and I know, I think that, that, that psychology and psychiatry have come a long way in the last 40 years. I've had, I've had psychiatrists today who tell me that, that, uh, that I'm more skeptical than they are in the face of many of these cases with their patients. Mm -hmm. However, I think that there's a certain DNA factor in here which is now becoming known that there seems to be someone has encoded in our DNA messages, a little bit of DMT, which is a hallucinogen, and the ability to change the frequencies that our brains operate on. When we're perhaps not to the point where we can do what our remote ancestors did, which is to receive many signals at the same time, although many of us are starting to do that, you included. I just think that this is part of us. The normal life was being lived by you, not by the doctor. Well, I tell you, Paul, if, if it is true that the indigenous people of this country were in touch with spirit to the point to where they could see it in all living things, um, there's you can make a tremendous amount of progress in your own spiritual development by emulating them. My first tip to your listener is that they should turn off the television, not the radio, mind you, but they should turn off the television. And uh, it is surprising what happens to your environment when you cut down on the noise. Uh, oh, many yes. people don't realize that of the three hours you spend the night watching TV, uh, that most of it is commercial or if you're surfing channels, uh, an awful lot of things you're seeing and hearing that you don't want to see and hear, but you have no control over as you skip through these channels. And a lot of people will find that if they simply can find more quiet time, then they have a much easier time accessing spirit. Uh, you, Ben, and I were talking during the break. One of my other secrets is that if people want to improve their ability to encounter ghosts or spirit on any level, um, it is easier to do so if you simply change your focal point on time and space for people who live by the clock in the calendar they don't get this but for people who live with nature and its cycles um, they do and uh, i am reminded of the days that i spent on the road with a group of tibetan buddhist monks who typically begin their day at 4 o'clock in the morning with meditation and prayer. Their day is over at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, which is when many of us feel a swoon and need a coffee break and a little chocolate. Well, that's nature kicking in, telling you that the day has ended, and that's what time you're supposed to be going home from work. Yeah. Any time past that, and you're now working on a deficit. And so consequently, when you're in tune with nature, simply by being in tune with nature as the indigenous people were, it's far easier to encounter spirit and all of its manifestations than if you're constantly being bombarded by electronics, that cell phone of yours, that headphone of yours, that TV and all of that business. You can't find the peace and quiet to hear spirit. 
Okay, I'm afraid we're going to have to take another break. It's the final one of the hour. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Hino on CBS New Sky Radio. Stay with us. Mondays are motivational. It all begins with you. And that's where the Movement Within featuring life coach April Claxton comes in. Join April and her uplifting guests Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Featured on Animal Planet, Court TV, Unsolved Mysteries, and The Hauntings, Psychic Barbara Mackey. Barbara is a sixth-generation psychic medium, animal psychic, and spirit communicator. Tune into Visions with Barbara Mackey at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. There are four corners, and Will and Nancy will take you there at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Existence is what we live for. Adventure is our journey. Metaphysical topics, inspiring and educational guest speakers, psychic readings, and more. Artie's the Party with Angels and Answers, Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Psychic readings and more. Join the fun. What goes bump in the night? Heidi knows. At 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Heidi Hollis's The Outlander will lunge into topics on all things outlandish and more. Call in or write Heidi to vent or get advice about your paranormally inspired curiosities or challenges. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And welcome back. We're in the final segment of the show with our marvelous guest, Marie Silver, our good friend. And we have talked about his experiences, some of his experiences with the ghosts. We've talked about the implications of mental illness, so-called. And there is one thing I wanted to get into before we we um, leave you here for the, for the day, uh, Murray, is is the, the issue of cemeteries. Cemeteries, of course, as, as you put it, cities of the dead. Yeah. But I, I, I want to just compare notes with you. I've noticed that, that there are cemeteries and there are cemeteries. That's true. There are some I would I would sleep in every night, the most yeah. peaceful places in the world. Yeah. Other places are really, as you say, kind of circus-like or even, even for lack of a better term, almost evil. Yeah. And uh, I, personally, I've always thought that, that that's connected with the geotechnic energies and the electromagnetic fields in the area. True. Yeah, well, what they're doing in space and well, time. what the people put into it, too. True. What do you mean? Who's buried there? No, no, no. I mean, like, what people still walking around put into that. Oh, oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What they bring with them. Yeah. Because I know, I know Murray will agree. You know, when you, when you go to one of these areas, you bring a lot with you as well as take some stuff away. That is true. In fact, that is why the Jew leaves stones on a gravesite. Those stones that you see on a Jewish grave... Yep. Come from the, your house, from your yard. You take that with you and leave it there to remind spirit that you were there. It lasts longer than flowers do. But that is that is the reason why Jews do that. They take it from their place and put it in the cemetery. So, yeah, it, it, when you say it's what you bring with you, uh, that's on, on more levels than one. Um, however, what spirit showed me at Bonaventure is uh, that gate at the cemetery, that's not the uh, borderline and in fact, there's basically no difference between what goes on in the cemetery and anywhere else. There is spirit everywhere. Yeah. Spirit true. everywhere. There's no demarcations. However, I, I find that the reason why it tends to happen to people more often in the cemetery is they're simply more attuned to it when they're in a cemetery instead of at the shopping mall where the last thing they expect to run into is a ghost. Well, cemeteries are quiet. Well, and as you said, yeah, the lives are full of noise, except so, perhaps in cemeteries. Because we don't have much time, let me break in to tell you the story because this will delight your listeners. Savannah, Georgia, our main police station since 1860 has been next door to the Colonial Cemetery. The building that the police work in on a daily basis is haunted on a daily basis. The detectives invited me to come in and take a look around. They wanted to know from me my opinion were the ghosts in their office, the ghosts of police officers who had fallen in the line of duty or police officers who had been there a long time and are still hanging around the office in death? Or is this the spirits of people who had been in the jail next door and died in jail? And so I spent a lot of time with the detectives of the Savannah Police Department who now have started their own Ghostbuster unit. It's the only police department in America that has a Ghostbuster unit, gentlemen. But even at the conclusion of my investigation, I told them, I said, you know, some of these spirits are, in fact, policemen. And they are still coming in to work and checking on what's going on. I said, however, there's a very dark energy in here, and these are people. Now, follow me, guys, because this is where it gets good. Some of this spirit energy are people who died in jail and are still serving their sentences. 
I'm sure you've heard, and I've always wondered why a judge would give someone multiple life sentences for the crimes they've committed, such as that poor boy who committed the mass murder a couple of weeks ago in a movie theater. He'll probably get 40 life sentences. And you'll say to yourself, well, why give him 40 life sentences when one is enough? Well, I'll tell you why. Because man has always known that when you die, that karma attaches to your spirit. And that spirit continues to pay that penalty. And there are spirits still in prison for many lifetimes. That is what they've been sentenced to. Right, recently, I saw this, this uh, study. Somebody had gone to Alcatraz to do another one of these TV shows and encountered all this energy there. Alcatraz has been closed for decades, but yet there are still people serving life sentences in prisons. And that, gentlemen, is the reason why I do what I do. That is a lot to think about, and that's a perfect ending of the show. We're, we're out of time. Murray, it's, it is, you know how we feel about you. It is always a great, great honor and privilege and a great pleasure. Thank you. Have, Have a good time. To- See you, fellas. Okay. So, on that note, we're going to uh, do a few of our announcements once I find them. Ah, found them. So my dad and I will be speaking at the Grove House Hotel in Woodbridge, Suffolk, England, on Saturday, September 22nd, from 7 to 11 p.m. The ticket price of £15 includes a full buffet dinner provided by the hotel and proceeds will benefit local charities. The evening will include a town hall-style meeting on paranormal events in this highly active area, which was the scene of the famous Rendlesham UFO incidents of 1980. Uh, Larry Warren, eyewitness to the events and the co-author of Left at Eastgate, plans to be with us that evening. So for more information and to buy tickets, visit www.spaceportuk.com events or just go to behindtheparanormal.com and look for the link uh, to the site under What's New. And finally, Ben and I will be featured speakers at the All Hallows Psychic Fair at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island on Sunday, October 28th. Watch for more info on these events at BehindTheParanormal.com. And I cannot let the show pass without mentioning uh, the, the fact we, we are still rather in shock about this, but we received word that uh, yesterday morning uh, our, our dear friend Joe Ferrier uh, from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, who was a fellow broadcaster on WON 1240 AM and also a, a very famous uh, UFO expert in the 1960s and publisher of Probe Magazine, uh, had passed. And we uh, just want to say Godspeed and... Uh, we, we uh, loved him, a true friend and a true gentleman, and we ask everyone for their prayers and, and good wishes. So, so many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we'll see you next week, August 12th, when my dad and I will host an open line show on a number of paranormal topics. So in the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM and com. At 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. Don't forget podcasts of all our shows at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we're done. We'll see you next week.